Welcome to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Eddie Lawson. Thank you to Race Tech. Before we get too far into this thing, please check out Race Tech. Tell them you listen to Pulp. Save on parts and accessories for your suspension or your motor or suspension work and motor work as well. Pulp 22 is a code to save. Tell them you, you use Pulp. Tell them you love Pulp. And they'll save you uh, some money, man. Get your bike working right. Get it modified. Privateers everywhere. Choose Race Tech, and so so should you. Thanks to Race Tech for coming on board. And get ready to ride with all balls racing. After a long winter, your bike may be ready for some TLC. That's tender love and care, in case you're wondering. A carburetor rebuild kit from All Balls Racing gets your bike in the top condition and ready to hit the road or the trails. You can find all their carburetor rebuild kit options along with a large selection of other power sports maintenance and repair products at allballsracing.com. Pivot Works. Vertex, hot cams, all that type of stuff. The All Balls Racing customer service team is available. Give them a call, 555-402-8000. 555-402-8000. All Balls Racing, they're all in, so you can go all out. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by the folks at Renthal, Maxis, Cobalinks, Motorsport.com, All Balls Racing. Look, I know I'm not exactly a road race guy or a road race expert by any means, but I'm super stoked to talk to Eddie Lawson today on the podcast. He's a four time world champion, certainly somebody that I looked up to when I was a kid and reading cycle news and from a golden era of road racing, right? And uh, although my interest in the road racing stuff has declined drastically over the years, back in Eddie's day, I was definitely reading about it and following it, and I'm really happy that he did this uh, podcast with me, and thanks to Jim Hawley for helping make it happen. Um, really looking forward to uh, to talking to Eddie about uh, living in Europe, winning those world championships, switching to Honda, super bikers, that's a moto thing, and, and more uh, here on the Racer X uh, podcast. Thank you to the folks at Fly Racing. The 2022.5 Kinetic Mesh is out. It is dropped. Uh, five colorways, I think. It's super comfy. It's super lightweight. It's really, really good gear. It's my favorite stuff that Fly Racing makes. So please check that out. Uh, the guys wore it at the opening round of Paula. And, uh, yeah, good colors and, and really, really good gear. So thank you to the folks at Fly Racing. Also, Renthal. I'm sure Eddie Lawson used some Renthal products on some motorbikes of his over the years. Whether it's uh, Factory Honda, whether it's Red Bull KTM, whether it's Monster Energy Kawasaki, Renthal continues to elevate the game. Chains, sprockets, grips, bars, fat bar, fat bar 36, the old 7.8 bar still around. Thank you to Renthal, Renthal.com. More championships and all the other brands combined. And that should say all you need to know about Renthal. Uh, Max's tires as well. Uh, MX uh, STs developed by some guy named Jeremy McGrath of Eddie Lawson's era. 
and uh, certainly they work pretty good. Kate Clayson, A-Ray, put them in main events this year as well, so you know they're pretty good. Uh, mountain bike tires, light truck tires, trailer tires, Maxxis.com for more information on that. We'll tell you more about Motorsport.com later on in the show. But uh, please enjoy this chat with myself and four-time road racing legend, Eddie Lawson. And now, as promised on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast show, uh, a gentleman that's truly a legend in the road racing world, four-time 500 world champion, uh, 31 wins when he retired, uh, an indie car driver, winner of Super Bikers, Eddie Lawson. What's up, Eddie? How are you, man? Hey, Steve. Doing great. Hey, I appreciate uh, having you uh, having me on. Yeah, I've, I've listened to you guys for quite some time now, so... Uh great show yeah that's cool thanks thanks for that and and thanks to jim holly for making this happen I, I don't know what kind of stories you have about jim holly but we'll try to keep it we'll try to keep it uh you know family friendly family friendly. yeah, yeah. no uh yeah jim and i go back a long way yeah yeah, yeah uh absolutely um so i saw a photo of you at Glen helen on a kx 450 uh that's awesome you're still riding moto here and there I'm still riding, but it was actually a 250. If I ride a 450, I last about two laps. Oh, okay, okay. I rip my arms off, and I get tired, and so, uh, yeah, no, I ride the 250. But, yeah, yeah, I still like to get out there. You know, I enjoy it as much as now as I ever have. Oh, that's awesome. That That's cool to see. I didn't, I didn't know, like, um, you know, how much moto was in your background. Obviously, we'll get into it a little bit here, but did you ride moto, like, obviously your dirt tracking and road racing stuff speaks for itself but did you always ride moto like here and there you know when i started with uh kawasaki in 1980 they gave me a couple motocross bikes and i would go down to uh, you know southern california saddleback and deanza and all over but uh yeah i used to ride and i you know i thought man i'm going pretty good and then brock glover or holly or you know Jeff Ward or one of those guys would fly over my head and just disappear, and then you kind of realize where you're at. But uh, no, I used to. That's how I trained. You know, I think I was one of the first guys to uh, first road racers anyway to start training that way. Now, did you know when you're in when you're peak Eddie Lawson and you're you're winning world titles and all that? Are your teams freaking out? Are these manufacturers freaking out that you ride moto, or are they okay with it? Yeah. What pretty amazing back in the day they just said be careful you know there was nothing <laughs> on tracks or yeah, yeah. anything like that that said you you couldn't so and i think they knew i was going to anyway it didn't matter you know i'm i'm just a big motocross fan and uh you know i went to all the supercrosses and outdoors that i could when i was home and uh you know the the motocrosser guys and i i, I used to ask them a lot of questions about how they trained and and what they ate and and I think I was one of the first guys to do that you know and uh, and since I wasn't competing against them they were you mm-hmm. know they were pretty forthcoming with all the information and uh, yeah it, it really elevated uh, me anyway in my because I I, I could uh, go as hard on the last lap as in the beginning and you know that was pretty tough to do on a 500 so. That really was uh, ace in the hole for me. So I I asked a lot of questions to the motocross guys. Oh, wow. Okay, so I was going to ask you this later on, but I'll dive into it now. So I saw you at Anaheim maybe three, four years ago. I don't remember. Somebody was just said, hey, there's Eddie Lawson, which was cool. Um, are you still following the sport like today, and you still watch the races and everything? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we have a whole house full. You oh, know? cool. 
Yeah, we watch the supercrosses and the outdoors, but uh, yeah, no, it's a it's quite an event out here at, in Havasu. I uh, I get a bunch of people at the house, and uh, yeah, we're into it. You nice. know, there was a period probably back in the '80s that you know I was friends with a lot of those right, guys, right? Johnson and Wardy and Glover and and all those guys, and I still talk to them from t- time to time, but. Uh, that was a really cool period where David Bailey and, you know, Johnson and all those guys were going at it, and, and it was fun to watch. And I was really into it then, and then it kind of, I don't know, I kind of went away from it a little bit, mm-hmm. and now we're back because, you know, I mean, these races lately have just been amazing. Yeah, they ha- they really have been. The Supercross season was, was all time, right? It was, it was yeah. great. Uh, so much subplot and everything else going on and so much drama always it seemed like every weekend right yeah and and they're doing a great job with television and and uh yeah it's it's sure a lot of fun to watch i enjoy it so do you watch uh supercross motocross more than uh moto gp you say or or more than moto uh, america yeah i watch it all but yeah i'm into the supercross probably more than anything i yeah. guess yeah, I still like MotoGP. I, I, it's pretty amazing how fast these kids are going today. But yeah, no, we every week during uh, Supercross season we had a party at the house. You know, we, yeah. we were looking forward to the race, like a lot of people. But. Did, did you in your heyday? And if you're in Europe, would you go to a, a, a GP Moto race if you could, or would you go to Bercy or Geneva or like if you, if you knew these guys were were racing around you? Uh, we did. We went to. Uh, a lot of the outdoor stuff, the the Grand Prix, yeah. Okay. The, yeah. And uh, when if there was a, if I was there, uh, it was in between a race. Yep. I would go to one of those. Yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. What about motocross the nations? Did you ever get to one of those over there in the eighties? Or no, no. Um, so obviously, like moto, and and again, Eddie, I got to, I didn't say this off the top before I hit record. I got to apologize if my road racing knowledge is not. Great. Okay, so just stick with me. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do like an overhead view of stuff. But uh, so so stick with me here and give me some patience. But um, you certainly were a, a, a hero of mine as far as reading up and following. What an era that was with yourself and Rainey and Gardner and, and everybody else, right? Um, but so to me, and again, this is where I could be totally off base here, Eddie. To me, like motos change because we're on four strokes, right? And yep. we're we're riding four fifties versus two fifty two strokes and but to me the and the technology's changed, it's evolved, the EFI and mapping and all of that. But in my eyes, what the what what the guys are doing now, what Marquez and, and Rossi and those guys were doing in the last, you know, ten years, seems to be and again, Eddie, apologize if it's not, seems to be on another level than what you did on a on a five hundred two stroke uh, bike back in the day. I think the road racing, it, do you even recognize it as, as what, you know, can you look at those guys and be like, yeah, man, I was the best in the world, just like, you know, Marquez and those guys. I just think it's so different. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, absolutely correct. The the technology is just off the charts, you know. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, it was, uh, it, you know, there was, there was nothing to download. We had no data. <laughs> right. <laughs> data to look at or anything and you'd come in and and you go well i think it's doing this and that and let's change click this and that but it was all the writer mm-hmm. and uh the two strokes you know had a 
super power, uh, narrow power band. Yep. There was 3,000 RPM. If you think about that, it, it, it would come in at 9,000 and be done at 12. Okay. So the gearbox, right. had drawers of gears that, you know, that was the main thing. You had to get your gearbox perfect because the RPM power band was so narrow. So we just had, you know, we'd change first gear or third gear or fourth gear, whatever it was, mm-hmm. sometimes 50 RPM. 50, you think, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I want uh, third gear lower or taller, uh, 100 revs for this corner. And it was uh, it was a different time. And then today, uh, the tires are just incredible. The, the street tires you can buy today are better probably than, than the race tires we run. Yeah. So they have lean angles of 62 or 63, something insane uh, lean, lean angle. Uh-huh. And suspension and chassis and, you know, and the power band is from, I think, 6 to 18 or some insane <laughs> thing with traction control, with wheelie control. I mean, when you factor in all those things, you and, uh, yeah, it, now they have launch control that lowers the bike. Yeah. And, you know, it's just off the charts. So compared to what we did, our, I think our if they were to ride our bikes today, they would say they were really slow. But I think also they would say, how did you ride that uh, <laughs> with those tires? You know, right. that power band. Because uh, they would just go straight to the hospital. I think if they got on a 500 <laughs> with our tires today, they wouldn't even make it around the track. And I so, and yeah. I feel like and I feel like Eli Tomac to Rick Johnson. Although it's a big gap, it's not yeah. that big. Right. Yeah. And now you know, but the speed they're carrying now is insane. I mean, they're doing 200 and I don't know what 15 or something down the straights, and you know, we almost touch 200. We were 190 something, mm-hmm. but you know, they get there so quick and. Yeah, just it, it's a world world apart. I watch it and just you know you shake your head. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah but a lot of it is just technology. It's just in, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it seems like it's getting like an F one, right? It's F one for, for 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 street bikes and and yeah, it's aerodynamics now even. Right. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. Great to uh, great to f- know that at least I was right on that one, Eddie, for sure. Um, <laughs> hey, do, do you get over there at all? Like, do do you watch some MotoGP? Do they invite you over? Do you you know like how much do you get over there? How much are you recognized by those guys and and all of you that? Know, I get invited all the time, but I just I am so over the traveling. <laughs> I I uh, I did fifty international flights a year. Roughly, I think something like that. With when you combine yeah. uh, testing and PR and all, the, and it was so many international flights that he just finally. And then today, with you know all these travel restrictions and difficult yep. traveling, I was just like, no, I think I'll sit <laughs> on the couch and watch the race. <laughs> I'll be I'll be in Havasu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh no, that's that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I just wondered if you're if you had any relationships with. You know anybody doing it over there now in your day, or any racers, or anything like that? Yeah, not not too many. Every once in a while, I'll I'll talk to some guys who are actually still there uh, as mechanics and uh, crew chiefs and different okay. things. I talk to them from time to time. I go when they were having uh, the GPs at Laguna. Yep. I would see them every year, but um, no, I don't. I don't. 
travel. Yeah, <laughs> I can relate, man. I mean, I've been I started as a mechanic in '96, and it's 2022. I'm still going to the races as a media guy. I can understand. Yeah. Um, who was the best moto guy uh, back in the day of all you? You know, Schwantz and, and and Wayne and Rainey and Gardner and who was the best moto guy? Did you guys ever actually you know practice moto together? Yeah, yeah we'd go play ride, but I don't know. Um... You know, Steve Wise was really good road racer, motocrosser, obviously. Yep. Yeah. Motocrosser, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, uh, Wayne Rainey could ride a motocross bike. You know, him and I would dice. But like I say, it's all sort of relative, isn't it? You know, you think I, – I remember I'm thinking, wow, I'm really hauling ass. I'm going good around here. And then about that time, a real guy, you know, <laughs> a real motocrosser would go by you like you were parked. So, yeah. you know, it, that was – that was a lot of fun. I never got revenge on those guys because I tried to get them out to a road race track and get them on a road race bike, right. and they would just like, "No, you're you're crazy. No way." Yeah. You know, so they weren't comfortable with uh, asphalt, but you know, Glover was pretty. He was very good on uh, uh, the super bikers, so he was comfortable with uh, pavement. He, you know, and of course, Magoo, yep. and there was a few guys who could ride on pavement that were comfortable with it. So, and, uh, yeah, uh, it, was, it was a fun time. Uh, let's get into Superbikers if we can. I, I was going to save it for later, but since you brought it up, so you won the event twice. For people who don't know, it, it was really cool, promoted by the uh, uh, Gavin Trip back in the Carlsbad USGP days. It was uh, dirt trackers, motocrossers, road race guys all getting together, riding motorbikes with, with slicks on them, and, and it was uh, it would go on the motocross track at Carlsbad. It would go on the, the drag race track. It would be a little bit of a, a, a dirt dirt track section. It was like, you know, the Olympics of moto, trying to find the best guy in all three disciplines. You won it twice, and Eddie, like I worked with Bob Oliver at Yamaha, and, you know, he was the moto guy, and he's done everything in moto there is to do. I mean, he... You know, he he worked for Chad Reed, and he built motors that won championships with McGrath. And Bobo's a legend, and, and he's done everything in moto. And when you ask Bob Oliver, and I've asked him a few times, when you ask Bob Oliver his gr- coolest moment in the sport, he says Eddie Lawson, helping Eddie Lawson win Superbikers because we're up against factory Honda, and we put a YZ490, which was air-cooled and, you know, a piece of crap back then, and he says that helping Eddie Lawson win Superbikers is his proudest moment. Uh, he really, he really loves it. So yeah, and you won the thing twice. Well, uh, vice versa. You know, he was responsible for those wins. Um, when you think about it, air cooled 490 running with a works Honda water cooled Honda, and uh, and the Kawasaki as well. You remember how yep. tricky bikes were? They were amazing. And Bob made that thing. It was a missile, and it would it would detonate and rattle. And I wring <laughs> the neck out of that thing, and it just ran every lap perfect. And it was I would say it was faster than their bikes, which is just remarkable. So yeah, Bob was he just you know did an amazing job with that bike, incredible. And Keith McCarty, all those guys, they were yeah. into it. And that I think that's what made it so cool they were just so those two guys especially were so into that wanting to do well there and uh so yeah no fun times and the track was you know gavin tripp did a great job i was one of the first guys he he got a hold of me Uh 
We went down there and we actually laid that track out. And when I think it started in reverse and then they changed it up back to another direction. But when we first went there, uh, I went with Gavin and we laid that track out. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know you had that kind of uh, uh, introduction to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess at some point you're just like, uh, hey, Magoo, go ahead and win. I don't want to die because Magoo won the year before, <laughs> in between your wins, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah, that guy was tough for sure. Yeah. Uh, was, and, you know, you look back at the – and, again, like it was such a star-studded thing and Gabor, Eric Gabor showed up, Andre Malherbe showed up. Like it was pretty legit, you know? Cool because you know they took uh, the motocross guys bitched that there was no motocross in it, which was probably fair. But also, I told them there was no road racing in it. I said, "Here I am on a motocross bike on rain tires. We all use uh, rain tire, dirt track tires, mm-hmm. basically." And I said, "This this is about as far removed as from what I do, you know, on a road racer as it can be." And there. And they're like, no, no, this is road racing. I go, trust me, this is not road racing, okay? And they would bitch, this is not motocross. So it was fair. It was cool because <laughs> it was just, nobody was happy. So you know it was fair. <laughs> nobody was happy, right? There you go, right? Yeah, no, everyone was complaining. It was a kick in the ass, fun, fun deal. Uh, yeah. Did you did you win any money like for it? Was it a big deal? Did you get a big trophy or like? <laughs> I don't think so. I think you know it was on TV. It was ABC. Yep wide world of sports so that was pretty cool and yep. everybody got together it was at the end of the year uh everyone was done it was off season so everybody could get together and uh where where else could you bring you know all the dirt trackers like you say motocrossers road racers together and have an event like that and it was on abc wide world of sports it was pretty cool so the the money wasn't you know i don't think it was much of anything but yeah but it was bragging rights for sure, so that was fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it would seem like a really cool hangout event, right? Like you said, off season, everybody's relaxed, uh, the, and the bikes were trick. Like there were all, lots of cool stuff being done. There's somebody's got an ATK out there, right? Someone's got all sorts of different bikes. So, um, yeah. well, the manufacturers, you know, as much as it was relaxed and fun, you knew the manufacturers wanted it because it was on TV and it was mm-hmm. bragging rights, as you say. Yeah. Yeah, sure. and, and like I said, Bob's done everything in moto, and Superbikers with Eddie Lawson is like his number one thing. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and can you imagine, and I've always said this, and I've said this to Glover, you know, 20 times, I still can't believe he beat Bailey in 85 on a YZ490 <laughs> versus, yeah. versus yeah, that Honda. Rock is Superman for doing that. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah we, still, we still talk uh, pretty often. Uh, we're good friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the and and Bradshaw used to talk about ride, racing the 490 and start out with 65 and with 35 horsepower at the end of a moto. The the shock would start getting hot and yeah. just start being a pogo stick. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I think there was a few calls uh, to Japan about that bike from Brock. I don't think he was real happy and just justly so. Yeah. For sure. That was justified. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yep. Uh, no, really, you, and you can YouTube them, people. They're on uh, YouTube if you're if you're listening to this and you're wondering what the hell Superbikers is. Eddie won it twice, and and pretty cool deal uh, for sure. Uh, uh, really interesting to talk to you, Eddie. Thanks for doing the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Let's get into some road race stuff here a little bit. So, you grew up doing dirt track in Southern California, and I'm guessing like at some point you were thinking like, hey, I'm going to be you know an American dirt track champion, like. You know, like we've seen, you know, uh, uh, so many guys do, or maybe go speedway in Europe or something. 
Is that really like your first love and your first dream? It was, yeah. Uh, my grandfather was into motorcycle racing, so when I was about seven years old, he would, you know, my dad and my grandfather and I, we'd go to a lot of motorcycle races. We, we'd go to Saddleback when they had the very first uh, national and dirt track nationals, road race uh, nationals, and uh, so I went to a lot of races, but where I started, in, and I started about 12 years old, I started racing Elsinore and Paris and Ascot and mm-hmm. Atlanta and, and all these places in Southern California. And, uh, you know, I thought, and it was sort of just a slow process. You know, you didn't, back in those days, you started uh, novice, junior, expert as a sportsman, and then when you accumulated enough points, you started over and you went novice, junior, as an expert in pro. And then you were just pro, you know. But so you had to go through the process. But those that was fun times because you know I just thought about each each series. You know, each year was like, oh, I, I won the novice race. I'd like to mm-hmm. win the junior race, and then one day I hope to be Grand National champion. That's kind of where it was. And I never really thought about road racing too much. But my grandfather bought me a fifty Itel jet. Um, it was 50 cc's, and it went 70 miles an hour and just scared the living <laughs> crap. And I remember being at Ontario Motor Speedway on that thing, just thought I was going to die. I was going 70 miles an hour, but I was 14 years old. So that was kind of my introduction to road racing, but I wasn't real comfortable with it. I was, mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I'm going to be a dirt tracker. Right. You know, yeah. And, and, and then yeah. And, and from time to time we'd go in the desert and we'd ride, and I'd ride motocross but i i knew i wasn't a motocrosser for whatever i just couldn't yeah. go fast on motocross i don't know why that part didn't 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 take as as well right um okay so you are doing some sort of road racing when you're you know 14 or 15 right just to play around in or whatever but right. um so what what pushes you into trying road racing because you won a couple of uh ama championships of course before you headed over what pushed you into road racing like hey this is what i'm going to pursue well, later on, uh, this is early on, I, uh, my grandfather and my dad, they, they bought me a TZ250, and now that, you know, you're stepping up, and those yep. things were really run back in the day. So we did these races called AFM, and they were local races, and we were winning quite a few of those races. And uh, that's when Gary Mathers from Kawasaki saw me, and this was in 1980, and uh, he said, we're going to do a tryout at uh, Willow Springs, are you interested? And uh, matter of fact, I should probably back up. I was at the Super Bikers when Gary Mathers walked in Shell's motorhome, and I had uh, drugged the pipes and crashed heavily and broke some ribs. Okay. And uh, Gary Mathers walks in, and he goes, are you, are you okay? I said, I'm fine. And I set up, but I had broken ribs. And uh, he goes, well, in a couple of weeks we have a tryout at uh, Willow Springs. Are you interested? And I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I go there, and uh, I don't know if you remember Steve Johnson and Mark Johnson. They, they worked at Kawasaki. Yeah, Mark, Mark for sure. Yeah, he's a moto guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so Steve Johnson's there, and he's, he's in his cowboy boots, cowboy hat, and he's smoking a cigar, and he looks at me, and, and he goes, are you serious? You know, I weighed about 135 pounds, and he, he looks at me and goes, you think you can ride a super bike? And he's blowing uh, 
cigar smoke in my face while he's saying it. And I go, well, I think so. And he goes, well, we'll see. He goes, if uh, you can go as fast as uh, Mike Baldwin, he has the track record here, I'll be impressed. So I think it was the second or third lap we set a new track record, and I got hired. And those are 1,000 cc's, or how big are those? 1,000, yeah. Jeez, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So, yeah, so that was pretty cool. So I never thought too much about, really, I, I'm going to go professional road racing, but when I got the tryout and I I made it, then, you know, the money was, you know, 10 times yeah. what the track was. So, yeah, it was that was the, the, the direction I was headed. I, I figured the money would come into this at some point, yeah. but but you really so the tryout was like you didn't think you would be that good. Or, well, or, I thought you know, I mean, I had the confidence, I guess, then to yeah. think, yeah, I can do this. You know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go give it a try. And I drove out there by myself and and uh, hopped on that thing. And I knew we were winning AFM races, so I think they were looking at that. Mm-hmm. Why I got the tryout? So, um, yeah, and and so it was, yeah, road racing from there on. Wow, oh, that's kind of kind of neat story for sure. I can imagine uh, the Cowie guys were pretty blown away. <laughs> they were like, uh, "Yeah, let's get a contract for this yeah. kid." Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. I I've told this story a million times. Yep. But, uh I went down to Santa Ana. That's where Kawasaki's headquarters were at the time. I sit down and Gary Mathers. Uh, slides a contract across his desk, and he says, now, I need your manager and your lawyer to look this over with you, and if you like it, then, then uh, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll sign. And I went straight to the back page where I was supposed to sign, and I just signed it, and I slid it back. He goes, don't you want to read it? And, <laughs> and I said, no, you're going to fly me to the races and supply the bikes and mechanics? I said, I'm in. <laughs> not very much money in it and i said i don't care and he and he said you know he said it later on he goes i knew you were a racer when i heard that so he got up from the desk he goes i'll be right back and he left and i thought oh crap you know what did i do maybe i screwed up but he came back a little while later and i guess he went to the president and he got me more money oh wow yeah Just check and that yeah. out yeah oh that was pretty cool so yeah that's how it all started and so much like Moto guys, this this is uh, early '80s, and even like, well, I mean, early '80s Moto maybe not so much, but for sure late '70s. You know, everyone wants to go to Europe. Danny Laporte, Brad Lackey, like they can win in America, but they're going to Europe, right, to win Moto Motocross World Championships. Is it right. the same for you at this point? Like you're in AMA Superbike and you're you're winning championships, but. Is everybody looking to go to Europe? Is was it that that kind of um, I, uh, mentality, uh, same as Moto? Well, a little bit, but um, at that time when I was racing Superbike in the states, Kenny Roberts was in Europe and yep. he was winning the 500 GP, mm-hmm. all the races over there and championships and everything. And you know, I just thought that was at such a high, high level that you know I don't think I'm, you know, I'm not even close to ready for that. But we won two championships, and so in 83, well, actually we won four national championships with Kawasaki in three years, so mm-hmm. 80, 81, and 82. And uh, we won two 250s and two superbikes. <clears throat> and Kenny, I talked to Kenny, and uh, he got me hooked up with IRI, International Racers, at that time. And uh, they were managing riders, and, and Kenny goes, you're, you're, you need to come to Europe. You're ready for Europe. And I said, 
really? You think so? And he goes, mm-hmm. yeah, no, you, you're ready. We're going to sign you uh, with Yamaha, and you're going to be my teammate. And I'm like, okay. So I, uh, I go to Laguna. This is before the 83 season started. Uh-huh. And I ride a 500 for the first time, and I, it was unbelievable scary. I own <laughs> Now, I've been riding a 1,000, a built 1,000. You think about how fast those are. Yeah. And I got on this 500, and I cracked the throttle open, and the front wheel went in the air and accelerated forward. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, my God. And I hit the brake, and my head went in the bubble. Ass in was in the air, and, and I, I just thought, I, I don't know how to ride this bike. There's no way I can ride this bike. And I had signed a two-year contract to do it. you know. And he goes, no, you'll be fine. You know how Kenny is. He says, yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. You know, so I had to go to Europe, learn the track, mm-hmm. and learn how to ride a 500 that year. And that was a tall order. And, you know, at that time, you know, there was no cell phones. There no. Yeah. No GPS. And so we're driving these motorhomes to these races, and I don't know where I'm going. You know, we're going to Yugoslavia in a motorhome. <laughs> I'm following Kenny, and he ditched me. And now I'm in a motorhome somewhere in Europe. I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, I can't imagine. Was, yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty... Harry thing at that first year. It was pretty wild. How old are you? Oh, shoot. What was that? The early 20s. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess what I was getting to was could you have stayed in America and just cash checks and won these titles? You'd won four of them, right? Um, or was yeah. the. Could you have, or was it a huge risk for you to go to Europe financially and career wise and everything? Like, how much did you debate taking the offer from, you know, to be uh, Robert's teammate? Or were you like, ah, I'm going to stay here, I think? Yeah, well, it's easy to stay here. It was very easy. You sleep in your own bed, you eat your food here, you, you know, you travel is easy. Um, But that was the next step, you know. So you wanted to go there. You wanted to race the fastest guys in the world, you know. And, uh, yeah, I I think it's different today. It seems like, uh, I don't know, the the motocrossers here – they want to sleep in their own bed and eat their own food, and they don't care to go race the world championships, which is, yeah. I don't know, it's a little, that's different than back then. You know, back then you wanted to be world champion. To, to say you're national champion, that's great. Yeah. yeah. World champion is, that's that's a big deal, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, that's what, that, that was the next step. That's what we wanted to do. That first year was tough, but this is what's so cool. I was a part of history that year. And a lot of people don't know this, but there were only four Americans in 1983 over there. There was Kenny and Freddie and Randy Mamola and myself. Uh-huh. And we finished one, two, three, four in the world championship. I finished fourth my first year, but to be a part of that, that won't, I don't think that will ever happen again. Four Americans it, that were there, and we finished that way in the, in the world championship. Yeah, that seems like it. I doubt, right? I doubt it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, so that was cool. And I had a couple, I had a few uh, podium finishes that year. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was trying to learn the tracks, yeah. learn that bike, and uh, to finish fourth, well, that was pretty cool. But uh, the next year we ended up winning the world championship my second year. Yeah, and again, you you spoke about this a little bit, but there's different money in every country. There's borders in every country. There's no internet. There's no cell phones. Everything. You got to figure it all out. And I mean, I, I traveled a bit in the mid-90s, a little bit like that um, as well. And you're just like, it is a, it is, is a, it's so hard to do. It, yeah, you know, but. It's 
incredible. After the races, I would want to call my parents, you know, and say, you better call me after the race and let me know how you did. Uh-huh. So after the race, you would go to the media center. Uh, they called it a media center. I don't know. But anyway, uh, there would be some person there with one of those, like, switchboard things that they would plug a oh, cord yeah. in. Yeah. And they go, well, we have to see if we can get a, a line out to America. And that would take 20 minutes, 30 minutes sometimes. And then you paid $50 a minute. <laughs> like that. Yeah. So it was quick. You know, I would be like, uh, I won. <laughs> see ya. You know, it was about like that. You know, so, yeah, it was uh, a different time. Today, you pick up your cell phone in Europe yeah. and call home, and we're talking like we are now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, amazing. Your, t- your, your Kenny Roberts teammate in that first year, and, and he's of course a, pa- a past world champion. Are your is your equipment equal, or in road racing like it can be in car racing? Um, you know, there's an there's an A rider and a B rider. Is it, is this the same? Did you run into that polit- politics kind of stuff? Uh, well, there was an A rider and a B rider for sure. Kenny was the A rider. Yep. The equipment was 100% the same. Okay. Yep. 100%. Yeah. I got my bike was exactly like Kenny's. And then it was a matter of setup. And so, you know, he was, you know, this was his last year there. And so he had been there and done it, you know, so long that I would just kind of follow along and, and listen to his debriefs. And um, so I, I learned a lot that year for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, if we got cylinders or pipes or yep. new carburetors or whatever it was, uh, it was the same, exactly the same. And it was like that all the way through my 10 years of GP racing. Okay, well, that was going to eliminate one question I had when you went to Honda. Um, that first year, you won um, a majority of the races uh, beating Mamola. What's it, when did you clinch, and what was that like for you? That must have been amazing. Uh, in 84? Yeah. Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, just, you work so hard at it, and then you do it, and then you, you're, you're like pinching yourself that, wow, this really happened. You know, so yeah, you're in cloud cloud nine, but uh, it, it was a a lot of work, and I trained, I think, harder than anyone, uh, just because I was asking people who do nutrition, yeah, uh, the motocrossers, the I I'd ask uh, guys who do triathlons, and then over there in Europe, I'd ask the guys who uh, were doing the um, bicycle, you know, yep. the uh, tour. The tour, yep. and, and so I asked a lot of questions of a lot of people, yeah, to to get there. Um, would you? What would you do for training? What did you like? Would you run? Would you cycle? What was it? What was it like? Uh, I ran, and I hated every minute of it. But <laughs> I bicycled a lot. I did a lot of bicycling, and and I mean mountain biking type. You know, where we'd go straight up for three hours, yeah. and then you know I would go run, and then uh, yeah, just you know. Uh, a lot of gym work, but no heavy stuff at all. I didn't, I didn't want muscles, you know, but I wanted uh, tone and endurance. And so a lot of training for endurance, a lot of swimming, yeah. um, you know, just things that uh, help you in the long run. But I only needed to go an hour, but I needed to do it wide open. Yeah. I needed to do qualifying laps for one hour. I bet. Know? Your heart rate must have been... Crazy high for these races. Yeah, yeah. Early on, uh, but then you'd learn how to control it. You know, you'd slow things down in your head. The, some of the best races were 
you you know things seem like they were in slow motion but yeah. that took a long time to get there to do that now the moto guys base themselves when they go over there moto guys base themselves in belgium because there's lots of tracks and you know they, they have a home base there what would you do for the world championships like where would you base yourself like talk about training and all that would you go somewhere because i mean you're not riding every day right you're only riding tests and, and riding you know whenever you know whenever you can get a track but so how do you how do you base yourself in europe at this time uh, well, my first six years was uh, that was with Marlboro mm-hmm. Yamaha, and they were based out of Italy, and uh, so in Bergamo, Italy, and that was Agostini's place. So my motorhome was parked there, and then I would just go from there. You know, whether it was bicycle or I'd talk them in to let me go to Malpensa to the motocross track. Okay, or, yeah. Um, you know, I would I would go do something, go run, and do a lot of stuff, but mainly. Uh, I would come back home if I had a week off. I would come home and train. Would you really? Wow. Yeah. You you would get on a flight and and and, yeah. and this is an easy flight it's like we talked about, yeah. Yeah, well back then it wasn't horrible but it was still long. You know how the 12-hour flight still sucks no matter mm-hmm. what. And um but it was easy. I'd jump on a plane and whether I was in Germany or Italy or you know England or whatever and you could go straight into LA. So, you know, just non-stop. So it wasn't the end of the world but it was a lot of flights. Everybody's yeah. smoking on these flights too. <laughs> oh, it was. I wish I would have wore a mask back then, and I'm yeah. a pretty anti-mask guy. But I, uh, I should have wore a mask yeah. back then. Uh, <laughs> are you telling me that the Milan Malpensa track was there in the mid '80s? Oh yeah, yep. Really? I've been there. A lot of laps around that. Yep. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, it's right by the airport when you're yep. pulling out of there. Yeah. Um. Uh, interesting. Okay, so yeah, so you would be you'd be based out of there and in motorhome and fly or motorhome or whatever you need to do uh, yeah. in, in that time. Um, you win two more titles, eighty six, eighty eight. Uh, again, looking at the points, like it didn't look like you had any kind of close calls. Like you, you know, you you guys weren't that far back, uh, Gardner and these and Rainey and these guys. But like you didn't, you look like you had them pretty covered these years. Do you feel like that? Like none of these nail biters. Yeah, no, you know, 86 was a good year for us. 87, I got my butt kicked by Gardner, and then I vowed to come back in 88, and mm-hmm. we did a – Yamaha did a good job with the bike, and I trained harder than ever, and I really wanted it in 88. So that was a good year for us. Yeah, we won a lot of races that year. So that was – yeah. And, and yeah. so are, are these like, so yeah, you win in 84, you win in 86, you win in 88. So every other year you're winning. And is it, is it a, is it a technological thing that are allowing you to not to allowing these other guys to win? Was it a bike package? Like you said, the bike got better in 88, or do you feel like you were, I don't want to say resting on your laurels. Cause it sounds like you worked, you, you worked your balls off uh, yeah. training, but, but why do you attribute the, the every other year thing was it a, was it a maybe a, you needed that motivation or something 87 when gardner won that year i i really you know i felt like the brock glover with his 490 okay. was <laughs> not good yeah. it was bad and i don't want to blame it on that because yeah. gardner he deserved the championship and he kicked our butts but the bike sucked that year and i had two uh dnfs i think i fell off one time at the, in the rain at Le Mans, and then the other, the bike stopped. And that, that was the end of it, the end of the championship. So we had bad luck, a little bad luck, not bad luck, I fell off. Yeah, I, yeah. But uh, the bike stopping killed us. And um, 
so that that year I kind of went, you know, it just pissed me off. And so I thought, 88, I am going to come back. And, it, and we're going to come back big. And so, yeah, I, I rode harder than I ever rode in 88, I think. By the way, too, your 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 number one Marlboro Yamaha red and white. I'm Canadian, so I grew up with the red and white Yamahas, right? Mm-hmm. And, and your number one and your 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 suit and Marlboro. What a look! What a look yeah, that, that was. Yeah, cool because you know the F1 team. You know when you think about Senna and Prost yeah. and those guys, uh, they were winning almost everything, and we were winning. And so that Marlboro brand. Yeah. And it and it just like you say it popped it stood out you could see that bike that particular bike on the track anywhere I don't yeah. care where you're at you were, you could see that I just remember you know? covers of Cycle News is, and it just looked badass right you're just like yeah that looked yeah. that looks pretty well, cool you know, that uh, it's so identifiable I think is is that's what's cool about it you I was on a bike that you know it didn't blend in it was it you know you knew who was riding that bike you know. Three world titles for Yamaha, and you take a pay cut to go to Honda in 89. I remember as a kid, this was big news uh, in the world, for sure. You were teaming up. Uh, uh, Gardner was also on Honda. Um, but, like, was this just, a f- like, failed contract negotiations? Like, just, just what happened there? Yeah. Oh, it was failed. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, Ago was playing games. I, I think, obviously, Yamaha wanted me there, and uh, but... Ago was playing games. Uh, Marlboro had doubled his budget. Mm-hmm. He came to me and he said, "I Marlboro cut my budget and I can't pay you what I paid you last year." And I rem- I know how hard I rode in '88. Yeah. And uh, I said, "Well, that seems incredible to me that they would cut your budget." <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, I know." And so I called Lazan and I asked him why. Why would you know Philip Morris cut cut yeah. your budget? He goes, we we doubled his budget, so I never even called him back. I never really, him. yeah. I just went straight to Irv, and uh, I said, I- "I'll ride for free. I don't care. You know, I will ride for free. Doesn't matter." And that that's how pissed I was. And um, yeah, so that that was that. That's and, crazy. That, yeah. Uh yeah, like you know, if I'm Yamaha, I'm pretty pissed at at Agostino, right? I'm pretty well, upset. <laughs> And uh, they, yeah, he lost his uh, sponsorship to Kenny uh, a year later. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you're. this looks like, to me, in, in doing my research for this podcast, this was going to be an epic year with Gardner. Uh, he goes 4-1 and breaks his leg. You go 3-5-3. How much different was that bike to start the year? Like, it took you a little bit, huh? Uh, it was completely different than the Yamaha, and it took me a little bit to get going on it. But, um, uh, yeah, I think, you know, as far as the bike goes, it was very close. You know, we were supposed to be a satellite team, and then there are uh, works bikes, and then there are customer bikes. Yep. And mine was somewhere in the middle, but I had Irv Kanemoto, and my bike ran ever bit as fast, if not faster, than and Dewins and Gardner's. Oh, so you didn't have the same bike as Gardner, technically. Like, there wasn't... Uh, in, in the beginning, no, yeah. I don't think so, but um, it was close, and like I say, top speed-wise, we were good. Right. And I had Irv, Irv Kanemoto. So, yeah, that was my ace in the hole there. But, um, yeah, after Gardner hurt himself, 
<clears throat> then they started asking me, what would you like chassis-wise? Uh -huh. You know, what should we do? And then there was a lot of questions. And, and then, of course, I had works, works factory bikes. But um, they did 13 chassis in 15 races. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, think about that. Yeah. That was, that's how hard they work. Yeah. And, and, and that's not – and that's is that because you're saying – Better, 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 or the length of tracks and corners are changing each week. Like, what do you no, think? Just, the frame um, was too soft in the in the beginning. It was it flexed quite a bit, and yep. I kept stiffer, go stiffer. I want bigger forks. I want yep. a stronger chassis. Uh, keep going that direction. Keep going that direction, and it was that bad. And they just kept. <laughs> By the end, that thing was good. And, I mean, it was good probably three-quarters of the way through. We were really good. First rider to win back-to-back -back championships on different manufacturers. Um, how, this has to be their sweetest title, I mean, without a doubt, right? Well, it was fun because uh, everybody just said, you know, now that Eddie's gone to Honda, there is no way, no chance. Right. He has absolutely everybody. I mean, I don't care who you talk to. And I sort of was – thinking, yeah, man, they could be right. This could be a bad move, but I didn't care. So, you know, I was going to ride as hard as I could ride. But, you know, it was going to be really good or really bad <laughs> that season. Yeah. But I, it, it didn't matter to me. I was like, this is the, this, this, the decision I made, and I'm going with it, and I'm going to make do the best I can and make the best of it, you know. So, and in, in the end, it, uh, yeah, it worked out. Yeah, I would say so. Thanks for listening to Eddie Lawson on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thank you to Cobolinks, Motorsport, Renthal, Maxis, All Balls Racing on board with us. Thank you to the folks at Cobolinks, lowering suspension links from everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. And, uh, yeah, they really make your bike ride better, have some more confidence, uh, work, uh, work your suspension a little bit better. If you're a shorter stature, if your wife or girlfriend has trouble riding their bike, Put the Cobra Links lowering suspension link on and watch them, uh, watch them blossom into enjoying motorcycle riding much better. Pulpamex is the code to save uh, with free shipping as well. They're all made up there in Boise, Idaho. And, again, you can get them at motorsport.com. Motorsport.com, man, they have a new promo coming up. Uh, Pro National Social Hole Shot Contest. Post your best photo uh, from the current race round track. Tag Motorsport. You'll get uh, some jerseys, some tires, whatever it is. They also have some free tickets to give away as well. VIP tickets before each round, a chance to win. Go to Motorsport uh, on, on Instagram to find out all the rules and everything else. They're also giving away a Club MX Yamaha bike. Yeah, looks really good. So thank you to the folks at Cobolinks, Motorsport, Renthal, Maxis, and, of course, Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Get it at Motorsport. 2022.5 Kinetic Mesh released. Looking good. Riders are in it. Riders are crushing it. Flyracing.com. All right, back to the show with Eddie. Uh, around this time, like RJ and those guys, they're making like 350, 500 all in with championships and everything. Are you? Are you? Are you around there? Are you more than that? <laughs> we were. We were. Yeah, we'd get that from helmet. <laughs> <laughs> really? It was that much of a difference, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you were crushing it, Eddie. Just yeah. crushing it. Oh, that's nice. That time it was good. Yep. Yep. I think. Today, these guys are making big, big money, um, but it's the top 10. And yep. then after that, I think those guys are making what we made back in the 80s. Wow. It's that, it's that good, huh, still? Like yeah. the, the moto guys are 
we've kind of settled, right? Like, we, you know, Carmichael and Stu brought up a lot of the salaries, and then they're kind of gone down a little bit. But, um, yeah, back back in RJ's and Glover days, yeah, it was half a mil was, you know, yeah. crushing it, right? So, Yeah, I think those the motocross guys, um, I understand the manufacturers. It's tough for them. Uh, but to me, you know, this is me just speaking out loud. Maybe I don't know enough, but it seems like with the television they have and they have, you know, Toyota and Monster and all these energy drinks and all these manufacturers that – uh, our car manufacturers are coming in, and, and with the television, the promoter and that organization could need to step up and pay those guys what they deserve. I don't think they're getting mm-hmm. what they should, and that's my opinion. But no, I, I would agree with you. I'm on my shows all the time ranting about the purse money. and the, and yeah. like the, yeah. the, the thing is, is for our sport, the upper 5% are absolutely making – tons of money and they are never going to speak up and help the other guys right um because they're taken care of and but the drop off from rider number six to rider number seven or eight or whatever number you want to put is drastic like you could be one second slower and you'll be two million dollars a year less you know so yeah Yeah. that's where uh that's where it it is pretty different how it was you know and then in my day my you know when i raced it was performance based only they didn't care you know they go oh you make all this money because it's so dangerous they could give a rat ass you know about how dangerous it is it was about performance only you were paid by how you performed yeah and if i if i dropped off down to fourth fifth place in the championship i don't know that i'd get a contract really Uh, yeah i don't even know if i'd get hired you know so it was performance based but uh I still think that these guys should be making more than than what they're getting. But like I say, that's mm-hmm. that's me. But uh, you know, the the problem is you could you could have a right. You know, the writers get together and say we're going to set this out, or we're going to get a writers' association, or but they don't. They don't get no. together, and then the manufacturers put so much pressure on them to race. Mm-hmm. But it would you know, it's like what Kenny did in the. World Series, he just said, we're not racing. We're not doing this. And then he got everybody together. They did stick together. And then purses and everything, the track conditions got better. Uh, so many things got better because Kenny did that. But things would be stuck for years after that if Kenny hadn't have done that. But yeah. it took one guy, and, and, but it takes everybody, but they won't do it. No, so no. that's kind of where you're at. No, I, I agree. And they've had meetings and they've had these – Thoughts of starting association or whatever, and nothing ever happens, and none of them stick together, and none of the elite guys, like I said, they're happy. They're you know the Tomax and Roxons and these dudes are making two three million dollars a year. They're they're good, you know. So um, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate a little bit. Uh, when you're like um, you know at your in the, in these years that you're winning championships and everything else, uh, whether it's Gardner, Mamola, Rainey, like are you guys all friends or how deep does this rivalry get? Because in Moto, you know Carmichael Stewart. Chad, nobody's talking to each other, right? But in the 80s, yeah. they're a little bit more friends, except for nobody. Hannah didn't like anybody. But, yeah. like, how is it for your competitors at this time? Are you guys friends? We we were very competitive, but at the every Sunday night, there would be a party in somebody's motorhome, and huh. all the riders would come in 
and it was a party until three in the morning. Oh, okay. You know, right. and we would all, yeah, and we had a, a good yep. time, and we were all friends. But um, not not too bad. I think uh, you know uh, Wayne, Rainey, Kevin Schwantz. There was a pretty good rivalry. I don't think they were talking. I don't know that uh, I said too much to Wayne Gardner in '87. Okay. We were yeah, yeah. Out together. But uh, nobody, yeah, you know, there was, I can say in my 10 years of GP racing, nobody ever purposely tried to run in or do something dirty on the track in my 10 years of GP because I think we were going so fast. And yep, yep. If you tried something stupid like that, you were probably just going to take yourself out. But nobody ever did anything. And uh, I I don't know. You know, today I watch motocrossers and I see these guys go dive way down to the inside and don't even turn. And you just go, really? Is you know? I don't know that that. Yeah, Justin Barsha, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Motocross is cool because it's like that. It's a contact sport, and they let them race, and you can race hard. But there is a point where, when it's just intentional, then. You know, but the one great thing about the AMA is they've been wishy-washy oh, and, great. <laughs> and inconsistent from the day that organization ever started, and they still are today. So, yeah, you'll never stop that because they just, you know, they can't get when their act. When I was at Yamaha, if I want everyone to get McCarty and Oliver to just start losing their minds and start talking about the AMA because yeah. they yeah. lived it, right, from the late 70s, mid-70s, and this was 2005 when I was uh, last year there. And and so these guys, these gentlemen, had seen 30 years of AMA incompetence, right? Sure. Yep. <laughs> so they would yeah. start losing their minds. Yeah, and it's funny because today – the same things I was bitching about 40 years ago, they're still complaining about today, which is remarkable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so you winning this title for Honda and, of course, uh, uh, um, uh, Gardner being on the factory team, is this a little bit like, say, Star winning with Tomac, like a non-factory team winning a world title, or was it looked upon as, nah, it's basically Gardner's bike and everything else? Uh, no, you know, uh, HRC told me that, uh, from that day forward that their bikes took a whole different, uh, it was a new generation of bikes in a different direction that they took from what Irv and I did. And that was very cool. But you know what Gardner and I, that rivalry in 89, uh, it, I didn't really concentrate on him at all. I was just, I'd look at the timesheets and it was like, Oh, Kevin Schwantz is faster, uh, fastest today oh Wayne Rainey you know it was like I just looked at that and I had my head down and I never thought about all I need to do is beat my teammate you know it wasn't that right we were just, okay you know, we were racing and I didn't I never really gave you know that a thought like some guys go oh it was really cool you beat Gardner no I it wasn't it wasn't about that it was trying to win the world championship right know? right and so I had I do. The one thing that Kel Carruthers and Ago did tell me early on when I first started in 83 is they said, no one will remember the races you win. They'll only remember how many championships you won. And that's really true. I mean, it, it is kind of true. You know, when it's all said and done and now it's, you know, 30, 40 years later, they, you know, they go, oh, you, you won four world championships. They, right. they, don't, they don't remember the races you won. Right. 
Uh, speaking of Cal Carruthers, I worked with him a little bit at Chaparral. I was at Chaparral at Yamaha in 99, and he, he was around. He did Buttons 125 motor in 98 and everything, and yeah, nice guy. So, yeah. Um, and this Irv Kanemoto that you speak of, is he, was he just – is he the, uh, the the moto guru back then? Is this yeah, you, you... I mean, absolutely? I yep. mean, he's, you know the Bob Oliver of motocross. You know he's uh, yep. Um, you know, uh, well, what what was cool about him is you know I'd have a bad day and get my butt kicked by Rainy or somebody, and and he'd go, "It was the bike. We'll make the bike better." I said, "No, or yeah. you know, I got my ass kicked today." No, this is the bike. We got to get. We'll get the bike better. I'm, you know, sorry about that. We'll make the bike better. And that was how he was. And you just go, man. You, you got to give 110 for that guy. You know. Yeah. So uh, Roberts gets the Yamaha team, uh, the Marble Yamaha team, as you as we spoke about a little bit. And you go back to Yamaha in '90. What what's the situation there? Did could you have stayed at Honda? Did they have their guy, or, or it was just a lot of money to go back, or and things were a new no. team and all that. Mar- now that Kenny had it, it was three times the money. Okay. Yeah. And I, I did not want to leave Irv or Honda, to be honest with you. And uh, But it was three times, you know. Yep. They were putting some money to it. They they really stepped up. Mark, Philip Morris just went all in. Sure. And they had Wayne and myself. And, uh, yeah, so uh, that was just so hard to turn down and, and – Probably shouldn't have, but I went for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got injured, right? It looks like you missed a bunch of races. Yeah, I got run into by Mick Dewan, um at Suzuka and broke my ankle. And then the brake pads, the very next race, uh, the brake pads fell out at Laguna, and I broke my other ankle. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So I, I missed seven races that year. Yep. And and uh, and the next year you go to Kajiva in 91. And I remember this as a kid. And it, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. My road race knowledge not not anywhere near where it should be to talk to somebody like you. But um, I remember the, the 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 general thing was the bike's garbage. They just threw a ton of money at them. Yeah, well, it was that. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> I, I wanted to retire. I just said no. I'm I'm yep. done. I've had enough. You know, I did the. I told him the Bob Hanna. What Bob Hanna said when he retired, he said I'd. I won enough. I've lost enough. I've been hurt enough. I've done enough. <laughs> so I, you know, I told them all that, and they're like, "Nope. Here, we're going to offer you this." And I said, "No, oh, man." And 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 then when I flew home, there was a helicopter waiting at LAX, and it would fly me to my driveway. Really? Um, That's part of your deal. I grab my I grab my luggage out of the helicopter while it was still running, and the guy would back out of the driveway and fly back. And that was, I mean, that, it was all of that. You know, it was all kinds of things they the, were doing. The Italians just threw yeah. money, just threw so much money at you. <laughs> yeah. So the bike was just not there at all, not even close. But they eventually got there. Yeah, the you bike. won a race. Yeah, you won a race. Yeah, well, that was special circumstances. But uh, the, I, the bike got pretty good, and John Kaczynski uh, won with it. And uh, so they, they did get there before they pulled out, but. Yeah. Okay, so what's the special circumstance that got you a win in Hungary? Uh, it was raining, okay. and then uh, I went with cut flicks, and everybody went with uh, rain tires. And then it stopped raining. Because I, I told friends, I said, you know, listen, we're going to get our ass kicked here. Um, <laughs> let's do something different than everyone else. Okay. I said, it could stop raining, you know, so let's let's put 
cut slicks and Agle's yelling at me on the line, you know, not to do, you have to run rain tires. And I said, told him to piss off. And uh, we put cut slicks on it and it dried out. And I was catching them, I think, over five seconds a lap. Oh, wow. yeah. You see that sometimes like like the pit strategies in NASCAR or IndyCar, right? And yeah, so you, you called it. Nice work. Nice work. Yeah, well, well, we lucked out. But ah, I'll take you'll take it, right? You'll take it. Yeah. Um. So okay. So Kaczynski did win on a Kajiva eventually. I don't remember that, but okay. So he got it on a bike that you sort of helped steer in the direction of that it was going. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, it. It did get a lot better. And you got a helicopter from LAX to your driveway. Yeah. That too. That helped. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that story. That's great. That's more than any moto guy's ever gotten. Stu. Yeah. Stu had a helicopter once in a while to take him to the test track, but not to his driveway. <laughs> so. Um. So okay, so you—that's it. The end of your career, uh, road racing, uh, four championships. Like we said, when you retired, you were third all time in uh, in MotoGP slash 500 CC wins, uh, more than accomplished. And I'm sure you didn't need to do anything else, Eddie. But instead, you started uh, doing indie lights like kart racing, indie car racing. Um, how do you end up with that? Like from what I understand, it's always been like, hey, bring a bunch of money. And you can start, you know, like trophy trucks or any of these things. You right. bring a bunch of money, and if you have any talent, you can see how it goes. But we're going to burn through your money first. Uh, right. So right. was it like that for you? No, I, I was pretty lucky. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mark Wyda, had a Indy Lights team. And uh, and so I had one of the 500s out at Willow. Okay. He had his Indy Lights car there. And I said, I'll let you ride my 500 if I can drive your Indy Lights car. So we swapped, and and uh, and I guess they they saw the times. They go, man, you're you're going faster than our current driver. Oh, really? And I, I said, cool. Can can I can I race it sometime? And they said, yeah. So they got uh, RC Arrows were really cool. Uh, they sponsored me for a couple races, and they put me in the car and. Uh, and I ran Laguna and did well. And so, um, but I learned a lot that racing that Indy Lights car, I realized your car is everything and you are nothing. You, the driver, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you mm-hmm. have a bad car, you're going to run in the back. And that's how it is with cars. And you can ask Wardy about this. Yeah, I have, yeah. Bikes, you can ride really hard and you can ride it to the front. The harder you drive a bad car, the slower you go. So it's just the opposite uh, with a car. So when I went to Laguna with that Indy Lights car, I was 18th. And I just said, okay, well, I suck and I shouldn't be doing this. And they go, no, 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 it's a car. And I said, no, I'm just telling you, if I'm 18th, I'm going home. Right, you know, like I don't, I don't do this to run 18th, I right? I don't, right. I'm just wasting tires and gas at this point. So they said, no, no, just come back in the morning. We'll change the car. I got in the car, and uh, I was second quick. And I didn't do anything any different, didn't drive it any different. Yeah. And that's when I learned, wow, that's crazy. That's insane. And we finished second in the race to Brian Herta. So um, I guess, and then we, uh, I, I drove uh, Steve Horn's uh, Indy Lights, and we won uh, a race in uh, uh, Columbus or uh, Cleveland. What? Yep. Yeah, Cleveland somewhere. And uh, so we, uh, after that, I actually got a ride with Gallus 
for part of the season. But there, there again, the car was, you know, we had Lola um, chassis, uh, Goodyear's, and a couple-year-old Mercedes-Benz motor. And um, at that time, you needed Firestone, a Renard, and a Honda. Okay. And so we had everything that you could possibly have wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, but we still finished six a few races, and, uh, you know, we did okay. But, yeah. no, it was just, uh, you know, if you don't have the equipment, you're just going to run back in the back. This is Vassar and Zanardi and Tracy. This is like the golden era of kart yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. Villeneuve, you know? Love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. How did those guys treat you? Uh, did they know anything about, you know, how, what a legendary career you had? I mean, were those guys cool? Uh, yeah, I think they followed it, but, uh, you know, they were they were happy with my times. But, I, you know, I just said, hey, this, this is not where I want to run. This is not what I signed up for. And they go, we know, we know, but, you know, you're doing great. And I just finally halfway through the season, I just said, you know, guys, I just, you know, I can't do this. I, I, want, to, I want to run up front and – so we don't have the equipment. We don't have the right yeah. stuff to do that. So I'm going to bow out. I can't imagine, though, doing what you did on the road race side of things for as long as you did and then, and then you know, kind of starting at the back and starting over in a car race yeah. and track. Like, that, that seems to be you're already older at this point, too, probably, and you're just like, I don't – yeah, this is a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, you know, in the Indy Lights car, we were running up front with uh, the guys who did go to IndyCar, and they had good equipment, and they were running up front there. So right, right. I already knew I could run with those same guys because I already beat them in the Indy Lights. Yep. But it, you're, you're just not and when you don't have the right stuff. But car, different, car stuff is completely different than motorcycles. Motorcycles, you know, you can ride bad stuff to the front, and with cars, it's not going to happen. Oh, one thing I want to back up a little bit about your Kajiva days. Um, what was it like working with the Italians versus the Japanese? Like, you're developing this bike that, you know, they throw a bunch of money at you, and hopefully they didn't expect you to win or whatever, but were they getting frustrated with you? Or, you know, you talk about the Honda chassis, right, 13 different chassis and stuff. Were they, yeah. were they trying as hard as, as a Japanese company? They were trying hard, yes, but there was a few things that really held them back. At that time, you know, they were doing their own engine castings and things, mm -hmm. and it was twice as heavy as um, the Japanese stuff. It yep. was a completely different process. So we learned along the way that, hey, you know, compared to what they're doing, I'm sure it's – but the, the one cool thing I have to say working with them is they yep. had access to uh, Ferrari and some of their technology. Mm -hmm. but. That didn't always translate into motorcycle yep. uh, racing, the motorcycle world, you know. But they did have that, and some of that was really good. And uh, most of it, not so much. Yep. But there was some that was pretty trick, you know, carbon swing arms and different things. But, you know, the one thing is they would react very quickly. They could change something very quickly mm -hmm. if you wanted it changed. And where Japanese, if you said... I would like this change. Well, they would have to go through a whole process and testing and all that stuff. Well, you could have it the next week, you know, yeah. with the Italian team. But um, I think it's like that, I'm guessing, with KTM. You're, you know, you're absolutely yeah. right. I was going to bring that up. It's exactly that way when, when, you, yeah. when you, the KTM guys say, I, you know, yeah, we can have this tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. So maybe that's 
their advantage there is they can react quicker. The, the Japanese are so conservative, right? They're so conservative by nature. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but I have to say with, with Honda, they did, they moved that in 89, mm-hmm. they were on it hard. But um, Yamaha, if you asked for a chassis, you would probably get it the next season. <laughs> you know, it was like that. It was molasses. Yeah. Um, you, by the way, those early 90s Kajiva dirt bikes are all, were all white. They were pretty sweet looking. I like those things. Did you get the ride them? Did, did they say, here's a dirt bike for you? Uh, they gave me a Husky. Oh, okay. Uh, they, owned, they owned Husky at the time. Yeah. So that was kind of cool, but not like the Husky today. No, but. yes, right. <laughs> uh, do you have any of your race bikes? I have one 86 bike, yeah. Oh, cool. How awesome is that? That's great. Is it in a museum, or do you just got it in your living room? Yeah, I just got it in the living room. That's yeah. that's awesome. That's that's really cool. Uh, I'd love to see that thing. Um, yeah. Eddie Lawson here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, uh, presented by Cobolinks, Motorsport.com, Renthal, Maxis Tires, All Balls Racing. I'm guessing, Eddie, uh, before we wrap this thing up, a few more questions, if you don't mind. Um, you won the Daytona 200 a couple times, but you also won it in 93 when you were retired, and you had an epic battle there uh, with Scott Russell. Um, that, I, again, I, I, I'm not a road race guy, but... That had to have been pretty amazing. Like, if I'm covering road race as a media guy and, and, and you come out of retirement and win the premier American race, that's, that's pretty damn impressive. How was it for you? That was fun. But uh, before the negotiations even started to, to do that, I said, guys, you've got to have a, a fast bike. You know, you've got to give me something I can I ride or I'm not going. They go, no, seriously, this thing is a missile. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> Um, but I got there, and the thing was a rocket ship. It was an absolute rocket ship. So that that did it for us. But uh, we blew up, we blew up all the Vance and Hines motors, and uh, and so even though they were they were all fast for sure, but we blew them all up. And so that night before the race, they flew in a motor from Japan that was an eight-hour engine, and it was equally as fast, but it. That thing could do eight hours, yeah. you know. So, and that motor was as fast as anything, you know, they had here. But uh, yeah, that was fun. But you know what was really cool about all those races? When I look back now, is every time we've done uh, an American race here, uh, YMUS, uh, Keith's guys, the motocross uh-huh. guys, they would all come over and do the the, the pit stops and help out. Yeah, and, I did it one year. I did yeah. it. Yeah, I was like the hand-me-the-fuel-can guy one year. Like, not right. over the wall, but I was just there. Yeah. That yep. so fun. That was so cool that you guys were there, uh, you know. And, and we always had, I, you know, every time we did something with the U.S., we, we won, I think. You know, it was cool. Yeah. yeah. I imagine, like, you win the 93 Daytona 200, and you went back in 94. But in 93, you're just like, yep, still got it, everybody. Still got it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> had to be that had to be a cool feeling, is what I'm yeah. thinking. You know, yeah, that was fun. Yep. Um, the state of American road racing now. My buddy Jason Wygant, he's the the pit reporter for the Road America series, and with 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 your buddy Rainey over mm-hmm. there. Um, obviously there was a split with DMG and all of that, and just again my thousand foot view is they changed a bunch of rules, and Kawasaki and the other OEMs were like, yeah, we're not playing with these rules. We're done. It seems like American road racing is a shell of what it used to be. Like when I was there, 
it was the factory team, then it was Graves, and it was the 600 and 1,000 and super important and, and, and super into it. And now I look and, you know, it's fractionated and Rainey's got this series and yeah, must sadden you a little bit to see where we're at because, like, it wasn't that long ago a cycle news would come out and it would be, you know, the the uh, the Brainerd results ahead of a Supercross race. You know, they'll yeah. be on the cover and it'll be the first story, right? Um, right. Doesn't happen anymore. No. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of sad because you know back in the day uh you know it's freddie and myself and and wayne and and mike baldwin and west cooley and and uh it was big i mean it was really big you know the manufacturers were all in and today i'm not sure why because uh wayne they they said you know the manufacturer said we need television uh-huh. okay he got television okay well it's not live okay so now he has it live but they still will not step up so it's too bad because I think the racing could be good. I think if mm-hmm. all the manufacturers would get in, um, it could be back to what it was. But uh, maybe the, the budget's not there for him. But it's too bad because uh, he has the television. He has everything in place. Um, you know, I yeah. think it could be. Yeah, it's funny. Like when I was involved, everyone – Sold sold millions of well maybe millions is too much of a statement but sold tons of six hundreds and now they don't sell six hundreds anymore and they don't really race them and and it's yeah. just all changed it's crazy yeah but, I think uh, street bike sales probably is a lot of the problem you yeah. know they just said we we're not selling bikes like we used to so maybe that's some of it but um, yeah I don't know I yeah. think if they want to get street bike sales back up maybe they should invest in moto america and start start racing it i seem, don't know it seems like uh wayne wants to to try to help and get some americans in the moto gp right that seems right. to be a goal yep that's the goal absolutely right. you got a couple over there but uh yeah we're you know i know he's trying really hard he's he is working hard but uh yeah i hope the manufacturers would look at it again yeah absolutely it'd be it'd be good to be powerful on that side too right it seems like yeah. supercross and motocross have maintained yeah. or grabbed some of that racing share of dirt track and road racing yeah I, you know i'm just a motorcycle fan i don't care what if you do enduro or mm-hmm. you know supercross road race whatever i'm a fan i'm gonna go watch you know so uh, yeah why not road racing too you know let's bring road racing back i mean supercross is is here and outdoor and yeah awesome yeah do, do you how, do you own a street bike <clears throat> of course yeah, yeah man any, yep. And, and uh, do you ever do track days? Do you ever get back on and do a track day, or is it just like forget it? Yeah, no, I went out with my nephew not too long ago. And, oh, cool. Uh, he does some track days, and so I followed him around, and yeah. And how yeah. do you feel? Like, how, do, how is it, are you frustrated? Because I know the old moto guys are like, my brain knows exactly what to do, but I'm just not able to do it. Are you there? Is that what you are? There's a bit of that, yeah, but I... You know, it's kind of like when I ride motocross. I go a certain speed, and I'm perfectly happy with it. There's young kids going by me like I'm parked. I don't care. I just don't care. (laughs) And and it's the same way out there, you know. I just like, hey, this is where I'm comfortable. I'm having fun. And so, uh, yeah, I don't care. You know, I've been there, done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got no worries. But sometimes... Sometimes guys like you in moto world, you know, they have a hard time like letting go, right? But it sounds like you're very, you're very confident in what you've no, done and everything. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I'm over it. I have fun. I ride motorcycles <clears throat> to have fun. Yep. Uh, how did I do, Eddie, for this podcast? Was my road racing okay? Yeah, I liked all the questions. You know, I don't mind doing an interview when somebody asks really great questions and they're enthusiastic and and they're passionate about it. I, I like talking about motorcycles. But, you know, back in the day, somebody would send a reporter and they go, here, go cover that. Mm-hmm. And they would ask questions and you just go, you know, they go, uh, why are you a daredevil? You know, <laughs> or do you have a death wish? There's some questions, you know. Yeah. So you, you just you, you go really, and so it's fun. I, I enjoy talking about bikes. So, okay, yeah. good because yeah, because yeah, uh, Holly said you don't do a lot of interviews, and I'm, I'm obviously not a road racing guy, so I was a little worried. So <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. but you were absolutely one of those guys that I read about as a kid, and I thought it was so so cool what you did. And I remember you going to Kajiva, and I remember that that Honda title, and and how cool that was, and how much buzz that got, you know, in in the world of motorcycling. Period. So. Uh, a, lot, a lot of fun, no regrets. Yep. And super bikers, Bob Oliver talking about the super bikers too, Eddie. <laughs> yep. Good days, good old days. Yep. For well, sure. thank you for the time, Eddie Lawson. Again, uh, motorcycling legend. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. I hope to meet you in person one day, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Steve. Hope to see you again. All right. This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners.